Hey friend, thanks so much for meeting me here at Frothy Monkey in beautiful downtown Franklin, Tennessee. It's a great place to get a good cup of joe and share together in some good conversation. Anyway, be looking at the menu. I know you're new here. Decide what you want. Text it to me. I'm going to go ahead and get in line and place our order. Hey, you're listening to Guat.Rocks, God, the world, and other things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, always advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. The title of this podcast series is Plain Revelation. The God of the universe has given us a 50,000-foot overview of the end of history as we know it, and it makes sense that we really should know it, and we can know it. That does not mean at this moment you or I will fully understand every symbol and description covered in the book of Revelation. What it does mean to know is to have it embedded in your mind, have it embedded in my mind enough so that as things come to pass, you will recognize the terrain where you personally are on the timeline of the end. The book of Revelation is the last book of the New Testament. It's the record of prophetic visions given by Jesus Christ to the Apostle John while John was a prisoner, as he says in his own words in Revelation 1-9, for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He was imprisoned on the island of Patmos, a small rocky island in the Aegean Sea, just off the southwest coast of Asia, west of Ephesus on the mainland. The banishment took place in the latter part of the reign of Domitian, Domitian reigned from 81 A.D. to 96 A.D. The letter was probably written around 95 A.D. At that point in time, John would have been probably right at 90 years old. He was an old man. The initial recipients of this circular letter were the seven churches in Asia. Asia is used to denote the proconsul Asia, which was a Roman province which embraced the western parts of Asia Minor and of which Ephesus was the capital. It's the modern-day area of western Turkey, which is bordered, bordered by the Aegean Sea on the west. It's apocalyptic in literary form, though its initial recipients would not have necessarily been trained in understanding that form at all. And I think that's important to remember, that the people that the book was delivered to, these seven churches, that they were probably not trained in the different literary forms of writing. So the recipients, the seven churches in Asia, would have received it as a letter of encouragement it was intended to be to the churches. So plain revelation, the items of mystery contained within it were to be known with the expectation that clarity of understanding of its meaning would be revealed in proper time as the events unfold. There is no intent of secrecy regarding the events of the end. The letter is given for full disclosure. So God wants us to read it, listen to it, know it, and obey it. Revelation is the only book in the Bible that promises a blessing to the one who reads and to those who hear the words of this book. Writing materials were at a premium, so to write a book would have been a laborious and costly endeavor. The vision John wrote down in book form was circulated from church to church mentioned in the book. The practice at each church would have been for one person to read the book out loud while the rest of the church sat and listened. So let's listen to chapter 1 of the book of Revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants what must soon take place. And he made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is he who reads aloud the words of the prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written therein, for the time is near. John to the seven churches that are in Asia grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth. 
to him who loves us and who has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, everyone who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother, who share with you in Jesus the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden girdle round his breast. His head and his hair were white as white wool, white as snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined as in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, from his mouth issued a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Now write what you see, what is and what is to take place hereafter. As for the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Friend, I could spend years on each chapter of this book, but the major blessing that will come from each of these podcasts on plain revelation is found in listening to the words of the chapter. Then I am forcing myself into a box to highlight three overarching thoughts regarding the chapter. The thoughts are by no means fully inclusive of all points that could be made, but are meant to encourage you in your own meditation and study of this important and timely prophecy. Thought number one, full manifestation of the triune God in all its infinite, almighty, radiant glory is seen, presented in chapter one. Thought number two, the full disclosure of all the key events of the end of the age will be made known. It starts with the word apocalypsis, which is translated revelation, meaning to reveal, to disclose, to make fully known. Here we also see that there is an immediacy. It says in this chapter that what must soon take place, that the time is near. We see that it's the revelation of the word of God. It's the testimony of Jesus. It's also commandments that are to be obeyed. It tells us here it's also what is and what is to take place after. It also says that he comes with the clouds, which says that his return is going to be global in nature. Everyone will know when these key things come to pass. Thought number three, full inclusion and accountability of all earth's citizens, both dead and living, in the greatest cataclysmic event of all history. This book is addressed specifically to his servants, the churches, the pastors of those churches. And yet Jesus here in chapter one, the Bible says, is going to be seen by everyone when he returns. John says, behold, he comes with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. So the people that drove the spikes into his hands and his feet, the one who took the, 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 the spear and thrust it into the side of Christ, 
and the Bible says that water and blood gushed forth, that those very Roman soldiers are going to see his return. Folks, we need to remember, the world wants us to believe the myth that the grave is the end and that there is no accountability beyond the grave. And yet the God of all the universe is telling us right up front in this primary book of prophecy regarding the end that no one on this planet, dead or alive, is getting away with anything. They will all be included and we will all be held accountable for our deeds and actions while alive on this planet. And so God is going to rectify human history. And it says, John says right up front that what he senses is that that all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, will mourn. And Jesus reminds us that he has the keys to death in Hades. Hades is the abode of the dead, the place right now where all dead people are held and it's separated into two compartments, one of suffering and one of bliss that's called the bosom of Abraham. The big takeaway from this chapter is this, the primacy of Jesus Christ in all things to do with man and redemption. It's woven all through this chapter. That is how it always is. You cannot bypass Jesus to get to God, and God cannot bypass Jesus to get to us. The Bible makes it clear that there is one mediator and there's one medium, one go-between between God and man, and his name is Jesus Christ. Jesus is Savior and Deliverer, and the one who mediates this prophecy and this prophetic vision of the time of the end to us. And so the flow of the message that we now are reading came from the heart of God, the Word of God. He gave that Word to His Son, His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ then took that message and through the agency of an angel communicated it to the Apostle John, and the Apostle John wrote it down, And it became the letter, the book that we know as the book of Revelation. And so that is how this book has come to us today. The book of Revelation is his story. It is his showtime. It is his glory and time to shine. It is about his final judgment of the sin for which he was slain and the complete salvation for those he bought with his own blood. In his first coming, he was introduced as the suffering servant and the sacrificial lamb, which takes away the sin of the world. In Hebrews chapter 9, it says, starting in verse 11, But Christ has appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, in the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. He entered the most holy place once for all time, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. But now he has appeared one time at the end of the ages for the removal of sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for people to die once and after this judgment, so also Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, here it is, will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. And so folks, as we think about rebirth through the lens of revelation, God's revelation is for our happiness. So be encouraged as we think about this timely book. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace.